1: This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Latino voters overwhelmingly supported Joe Biden for the presidency. But a growing share of Latinos voted for President Donald Trump nationwide and here in California. That's according to an election eve poll of more than
2: 5,000 Latinos across the U.S. KQED's Farida Javala-Romero reports. David Hernandez is 72. He was born and raised in L.A. and chairs the Los Angeles Hispanic Republican Club. He says he voted for Donald Trump because he was the better candidate for the economy.
0: The fiscal policies and prosperity over the past almost four years that... It's really been a deciding factor.
2: He says many Latinos work in industries hard hit by COVID 19, like construction and the restaurant industry. And he says Latino Trump supporters agree with the president's push to reopen the economy faster.
0: Well, there is a concern over the disease itself. There is a more uh, immediate concern that they're not going to be able to pay their rent, that they're not going to be able to. Take care of their families.
2: We won't have a full picture of how Latinos voted for a couple of months, but the American Election Eve poll gives a glimpse. It found that 16% of California Latinos supported Trump in 2016. This year, it was 22%. Poster Gary Segura of Latino Decisions says Democrats didn't do enough to engage with these voters.
3: There was a late outreach by the Democrats and the Biden campaign. So if you look at where the Biden campaign really invested money in talking to Latinos, it certainly wasn't in California.
2: Still, the poll found that while a majority of white voters supported Trump nationwide, almost three quarters of Latinos turned out for Biden.
4: If Latinos were the only voters, the election results would be blindingly clear.
2: Clarissa Martinez de Castro is with Unidos US, one of the advocacy nonprofits that sponsored the poll. Another thing that's clear, she says, Latinos are a growing force deciding presidential elections and should not be ignored. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. On Tuesday, California voters
1: passed Prop 22 by a large margin. Backed by $200 million from Silicon Valley companies like Uber and DoorDash, the measure makes it legal for these gig companies to classify workers as contractors. KQED's Sam Harnett joins me now. And Sam, Prop 22 passed with a ton of support, 58% of the vote. I think that caught some people by surprise.
3: Yeah, I mean, myself included. I mean, the polling leading up to Election Day showed to be 46, 42%, which is actually not a great place for a proposition to be in. But then you gotta remember the gig company spent over $200 million and advertising and marketing works. The other thing to keep in mind is that we may be in a state with people who consider themselves progressive or liberal, but you know the consumers in this state also really loved these gig applications. They loved taking their phone out and getting a cheap ride or getting Instacart delivery. And the Yes on 22 campaign was very clever in crafting a proposition that assuaged any moral worries that people had in using these apps. I mean, the, the campaign was designed to make people feel like A yes vote was a vote for social justice and that it was a vote to improve the working conditions of the people on these apps, despite the fact that organized labor was opposed to it.
1: This could have major implications for the future of work. And there are critics out there who are saying a whole new category of low rights workers has been created here. What's your sense of what Prop 22's passage means for the workforce?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think it is correct that this is not Uber and Lyft continuing to classify their workers as contractors. This is gig companies creating a new sub-employee gig contractor worker category. And right now in California, because of Prop 22, that category is limited to workers doing delivery or transportation through apps. But as we have seen with the regular independent contractor worker category, which was created and used mainly by professionals at the beginning, that has now been taken advantage of by corporations and used as a way to not pay for employee benefits. So we saw independent contractor used by corporations. And you can bet that corporations are looking at this new gig worker category and thinking of ways that they can get in on it, because it's way cheaper than paying for employee benefits.
1: Looking at public markets, Uber and Lyft both saw shares get a big, big boost from investors on news that Prop 22 had passed. What are the next moves that we can expect from these companies? Are they going to try to take this national or even international?
3: Absolutely. I mean, Uber and Lyft have made no uh, secret that they have wanted to get this third way enshrined into federal labor law. Lyft, in its celebration email of Prop 22, said that they're going to go national with this and try to get this passed everywhere. And actually, gig companies have already gotten this third category into law in red states around the country. They've already been successful on a state-by-state level, and they're definitely going to go nationally. California was the first place where the government really pushed back and was on the brink of regulating these companies in a way that made them classify their workers as employees. So I think other states and internationally other countries were looking to see how it played out here and it played out in favor of gig companies.
1: All right, KQED Sam Harnett, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Lily. Rent control lost big on election night in California. Prop 21 was defeated by a nearly 20-point margin. As KQED's housing reporter Aaron Baldessari explains, it was a repeat of results from a similar ballot measure two years ago and a big victory for the real estate industry.
5: Opponents of Prop 21 outspent supporters by nearly two to one. They were bankrolled by real estate trusts and investment corporations, and it appeared to pay off. For the second time in two years, voters rejected a proposal to let cities expand rent control in their jurisdictions. Sid Lacaretti is the president of the California Rental Housing Association, which opposed the measure. He said more rent control would be a burden for landlords.
0: It feels a huge weight off the shoulders, especially this year with the pandemic, everybody going through what they're going through.
5: Supporters have already vowed to continue their fight. They criticized Governor Gavin Newsom for opposing Prop 21 and said they'd press him for more tenant protections as eviction moratoriums related to the pandemic expire early next year. Jed Kensla is a spokesperson for the Yes campaign and for the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, the measure's main funder.
0: I think what we're really going to do is continue to lay this problem at the governor's feet.
5: Renters in the state do have some new protections. Last year, Newsom signed AB 1482. It caps rents on properties 15 years or older at 5% each year, plus inflation. For the California reports, the, the state added more than
1: 5,000 new cases on Tuesday. Since October, California's test positivity rate has ticked up to 3.3%. Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Mark Galley called the state's increase slow and steady compared with the huge case surge in the Midwest. He credited California's gradual color-coded reopening system.
4: Now we go slower and we believe that gives us significantly more time to see how the impact of certain sector changes play out in our case numbers, our test positivity, as well as our hospitals and ICUs.
1: Hospitalizations are up along with a 20% increase in ICU cases, though Galley said that the state's hospitals can handle the current number of patients.
0: Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair.
1: Silicon Valley's social media giants are working to quash misinformation in these tense days after the election and no one is keeping them busier than President Donald Trump himself. Twitter and Facebook have flagged a number of his posts, including one on Tuesday night where Trump falsely said the election was being, quote, stolen from him. Recode reporter Shireen Ghaffari has been following this story. Good morning to you. Good morning. So, Sheen, on Tuesday night and into Wednesday morning, four of the president's tweets were flagged uh, on Twitter alone. Talk us through some of the labels, the kinds of labels that Twitter, for one, is using.
4: Sure. So one of the labels, and I would say probably the most aggressive one, is what people would call an interstitial, meaning it pops up and it sort of blocks you from even seeing the post unless you click into it. And it warns you. It says some or all of the content shared in this tweet is disputed and it might be misleading about the election. So after you click through that, you can see it, but you can't share it like you normally would. So Twitter also slowed the spread of these kinds of posts. Now, there's another sort of less intense warning they put up when there were uh, claims that are premature about calling the race. And that one they just sort of stick a note at the bottom that says official sources have not yet called this race.
5: Mhm.
1: Do you have a sense of the volume of misinformation in general on these platforms right now? And I ask that in part because I myself fell for a Twitter account, a fake Twitter account pretending to be the Associated Press. It falsely claimed Joe Biden had won Nevada. That is not true. AP has not called that race. And it couldn't have been more than a minute later that that Twitter had suspended that
4: account. Right. I think we're seeing very, very high volumes of errors intentional misinformation like that AP hoax. And that's expected because we're in this very historically contested and time-taking election, right? So it makes sense. And the companies like Twitter and Facebook, they've known this for a while and they've prepared for it. And that's why you're seeing them respond to things like that fake Associated Press account with record speed, I think within a matter of minutes, right? They, They shut it down. And same with some of these Premature victory claims by Trump and other politicians, even on the Democratic side as well, there were a few races where they're they're throwing up these labels much more quickly than they may have in the past. And finally, you know, what can we expect in the
1: days ahead? <laughs> and finally, what can we expect in the days ahead? Those wanting to spread misinformation on these platforms don't feel don't seem to be done for, at this
4: point. Absolutely not. I think the potentially the worst is yet to come especially because there's so much legitimate uncertainty about the future of this race. And people are exploiting that, right, to spread uh, just unproven assertions. And I think really the test, especially for Facebook um, and for Twitter, though, will be how are they going to uh, dispute or not dispute these sort of gray area claims, as well as people using the platforms to organize to actually go out onto the streets, and, you know, protest in ways that could lead to escalating violence. Those are the things to look for. And, you know, it will be a real test for these companies if they can keep up with the pace of information in the days, weeks, months to come.
1: All right. Shedeen Ghaffari is a reporter with Recode. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that is the California Report for this Thursday, November 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening.
0: Support for the California report comes from Paint Care, now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the Earth needs a good lawyer, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. Downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest.
4: Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on the political scene a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.